0: Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the question. This question is asked three different times in scripture. What must I do to be saved? I want to talk to you about that tonight. We want to know what the scriptures teach about salvation. Let's start in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 8. In flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ... Who should be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And I just want you to notice the importance of asking this question tonight. The importance of the subject. Because in flaming fire he takes vengeance on them that don't know God and that don't obey the gospel. So it's important the answer that we get to this particular question 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 1, the Apostle Paul said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. I just want you to notice it's the gospel that saves us. I declare unto you the gospel. Uh, I preached it to you, you received it, you stand in it, and you're saved by it. The gospel is an important subject to talk about. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, continue verse number 3. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, here, 15 and verse number 3, he specifically defines what the gospel is. The gospel is the preaching of. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he arose again according to the scriptures. Jesus Christ died for you, was buried for you, and rose from the grave on that third day. That is the gospel. Gospel means good news. That's the good news. It's good news for all of us this evening to know that Christ has made that sacrifice for us. So I want to analyze the question. What must I do to be saved? What implies something needs to be done? Number two, must implies necessity. Whatever it is must be done. No, number three, I implies personal responsibility. I can't, it's not someone else's responsibility. I can't do it for someone else. It's a personal responsibility. What must I do to be saved? Do implies action. That means something that requires action. I've got to do something in the process and to be saved we're talking about spiritual salvation implies that there's sin that needs to be remitted or washed away and touched by the blood of christ here's some answers to that question what must i do to be saved the calvinist would say do nothing there's nothing you can do you're either the elect of god or you're not the universalists would say do nothing there's no use the moralist would say live a moral life the modernist would say, follow nature. There's no sin. Denominations of the world would tell you, well, just believe. And I want to tell you what the Bible says today. The Bible says man is saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, for by grace are you saved through faith and that out of yourselves it's the gift of God. There's not a person here this evening that can be saved separate apart from the grace of God. Man is saved by the grace of God. And I will also tell you the Bible says man is saved by the word of God. James chapter 1 and verse number 21 says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. God's word saves us. Man is saved by calling on the name of the Lord. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse number 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it's important to call on the name of the Lord. Man is saved by believing. Acts 16 and verse number 31. They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Belief is a part of salvation as well. Man saved by hope. Romans 8 verse number 24 says, We're saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why did he yet hope for all of these things are elements in our salvation. Man is saved by the blood, First John chapter one and verse number seven. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. We can talk about a lot of stuff tonight, and there is not anything more important tonight than to talk about the blood of Jesus. It redeems, it remits our sins. It washes our sins away. It's still the blood. It's still the blood. The Bible says baptism is, will save us. First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 21. The like figure wherein the even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism also now saves us. There was a guy years ago that actually was in a debate and he took the position that baptism doth also not save us. That's not what the passage says. You would think that would be a fairly easy debate at the end of the day. First Peter chapter 3, 21 tells us that. So let's look at this question. This question was asked three different times. Okay, one time was to the Philippian jailer in Acts 16 and verse number 30. They brought them out, said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And you remember the story of the Philippian jailer? Uh, Paul and Silas were in prison. They were singing praises unto God. The prisoners heard them. Uh, there was an earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately, everyone's bands were loosed. And he called uh, He called for light. He sprang in, and he, he asked the question, What must I do to be saved? Paul had uh, already told him, Don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. He, he drew out his sword. He was going to kill himself, thinking that the prisoners, or supposing the prisoners had been fled, is the way the King James words it. But that Philippian jailer came out and said, what must I do to be saved? It's a great question. Now he wasn't asking what do I need to be, do to be saved physically. He had just been saved physically from the sword that was being asked about when he was fixing to kill himself because he thought all these prisoners had gotten loose. He was talking about what do I need to do to be saved spiritually. It was asked by the Philippian jailer. Number two was asked on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 37. You remember in Acts chapter 2, they were in the city of Jerusalem. There were 3,000 people that ended up obeying the gospel there. It was a Sunday. It was the first day of the week. It was the day of Pentecost. Uh, On that day of Pentecost, Peter preached the first gospel sermon. Now, when they heard this, you get to the end of that sermon in verse number 37. When they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts, said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Great question. They had just been convicted. They had just been pricked in their heart. They had just been convicted to this message that they had just crucified the Son of God. What shall we do? How can we take care of that? We've just sinned against God. What do we do? And the third time was Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter nine and verse number six. There's three times in the book of Acts that you read the story of Saul of Tarsus. One was in Acts chapter nine where the event took place. One was Acts chapter 22. One was acts chapter 26 when he stood before king agrippa and we find different elements of the story in those three different locations in the book of acts because paul recalls and tells us more about what happened but look at acts 9 and verse number 6 this is where the event took place and you remember saul of tarsus saul paul was persecuting the church you remember how he was on the road to damascus and he was binding christians to bring them back to jerusalem to be punished you remember how the apostle paul Saul was blinded and he met the Lord on the road to Damascus and the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And here in verse number six, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the city and it should be told thee what thou must do. Now I just want you to notice in these three different instances, you've got a Philippian jailer who was in a prison and and he heard... Paul and Silas singing praises to God and he heard them, he heard them praying and singing and that's essentially the the totality of his understanding of what was taking place there uh, related to the gospel. But he knew something was special taking place there. On the day of Pentecost, these were Jewish individuals. These were Jewish individuals that had just crucified or at least were guilty of assisting in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But they were religious people. And they were pricked in their heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, What do we do do about this? And, And Peter had gone through that entire history of the Jewish people. And then you've got Saul of Tarsus who met the Lord on the road to Damascus. And I just want you to notice that there were three different answers given to these three questions. But there's reasons for that. Let's talk about the Philippian jailer first of all. In Acts 16 verse number 31. They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. The Philippian jailer, the answer to what must I do to be saved was to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Now, it's very easy for us to stop right there, but the statement is true. In fact, we had a brother one time that got up and he said, You need to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. I had another brother said, I just can't believe that. He got up there and he. Preached that all you had to do was believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'd be saved. There is a Bible verse that says believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Now I'm not saying that's the total story. But that brother wasn't telling the whole story. He wasn't telling the total story. He was giving the answer to what was given to Philippi- the Philippian jailer's question. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if I'm talking to somebody who does not believe, who doesn't understand, who has no knowledge of Scripture, had not spent a lot of time with Scripture, what would your answer be to them? Somebody comes to you and they have no knowledge, what would you tell them? Well, you need to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'd be saved. That's what you would need to do. You would, to be saved, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's included in believe? Keep reading the story and you find a lot of other events that took place there. On the day of Pentecost, though, that question was asked, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ and for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But notice the audience is different. We're talking in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost to people that were already believers. They, they were pricked in their heart They recognize they had just crucified the Son of God. The answer's different. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. It's different than what we found previously, but it still coincides with Scripture. If you're talking to somebody yourself, and they already believe in Jesus, and they say, what do I need to do to be saved, what would you tell them? Would you say, believe in Jesus? Well, I already believe in Jesus. What would you tell them? You'd tell them to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You did make change. And if you keep reading in Acts chapter 16, you find that the Philippian jailer was involved in some other things after that answer that said believe in that case. Saul of Tarsus, or Paul, ultimately became what, who we know of as the Apostle Paul in Acts 22, 16. This is the second time we find that recording, the first time in Acts 9, second time in Acts 22, third time in Acts 26. And he said, what would you have me to do? Here it is. Here's the answer. Ananias came to him said, and now why, thou? rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. But keep in mind again, what Saul was on the road to Damascus. He was binding Christians. He met the Lord on the road to Damascus. He was already a believer. He became a believer in the very fast way because the Lord himself spoke to him and said, Go into the city and be told thee what thou should do. For three days he prayed before Ananias came to him. He was blinded. We're talking about an individual that definitely believed was already to a point of repentance, but repentance and prayer for three days didn't wash his sins away. In verse number 16, the answer that was given to him was to rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Again, if you're talking to somebody today that believes in Jesus, maybe they've been willing to change their life. They're already repentant in heart, and they're willing to do that. They'll even tell you that they believe in Jesus. What would your answer be if they say, what do I need to do to be saved? You give them the same answer that was given to Saul of Tarsus. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord the answers are three different answers because it to the same question but the reason is because the answer was given to three different people at three different stages of their belief system really at the time some didn't believe at all some had believed but hadn't repented some had believed and repented and got a different answer to that question I want you to notice some other things about baptism for just a moment We need to answer that question ourselves personally. I can't answer it for you. We talked about what must I do to be saved implies personal responsibility. I can't answer that for you. But I can tell you what the scriptures teach. We must all be baptized. Christ did it. Christ commanded it. The apostles taught it. The New Testament church practiced it. And look here, um, if we were going to ask the question, who should be baptized... It would be somebody who's been taught the Word of God. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even into the end of the world. Who is the candidate for baptism? Somebody that's been taught the Word of God. So if we're going to ask, who is it that should be baptized? We must all be baptized. But who is all? Those that are taught. Those that believe. Mark 16, 15, and 16. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. The believer is the one that is a candidate for baptism. Somebody that believes. If you're going to baptize somebody that doesn't believe, you just got them wet. You put them through water, but it's not baptism in that case. Somebody that's repented. We've already looked at the verse in Acts 2, verse number 38. Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Who was a candidate for baptism in that case? One who has repented in that passage. And I just want you to notice very quickly, if we look at these qualifications of who should be baptized, somebody that's been taught, somebody that believes, somebody that's repented, it would exclude infants. It'd be impossible for a little baby, number one, to believe. It'd be secondarily impossible for them to be able to repent. What would they need to repent of? Uh, maybe they could be taught very little at, a, at an infant stage. But at some point in time, people get old enough that they understand what it is that they need to do, and they believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and they're willing to change their life. That is the candidate for baptism. What's baptism for? Well, number one, it's for the remission of sins. Acts 2.38, we've already looked at it. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's to remit our sins. It is to put us into Christ. Look at Galatians 3, verse number 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There were some old preachers that would wear a coat, a suit coat, and they put their suit coat on and try to demonstrate for the audience that they're in the suit coat. They put on the suit coat. We put on Christ when we're baptized into Christ. How do we get in Christ? When we're baptized into Christ. That's what the Bible teaches there in Galatians chapter 3. You go to the very end of that chapter, and he said, we're all Abraham's seed. How? If we're in Christ. And we fulfill the promise given Galatians chapter 3, verse number 16. Now to Abraham and his seed where the promise is made, he saith not into seeds as of many, but as of one into thy seed, which is Christ. We are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise when we're in Christ. And we're heirs according to those things that he's promised, uh, those that would be heirs of Abraham's seed. We are baptized into his death. Look at Romans chapter 6 and verse number 3. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? That's what baptism is for. It's to put us into the death of Christ. Now let's talk about baptism for just a moment. What is baptism? Number one, if you looked at the word baptism, it means immersion. I was in a discussion years ago over in Beaumont, Texas. We were discussing with some guys and some guy threw out what he thought was a trick question I guess but he said what are the three modes of baptism and very quickly you know somebody raised their hand they go sprinkling pouring immersion well there's and he came back and he said there's only one mode of baptism the word baptize means to dip to cleanse it means immersion now look at the scriptures related to baptism Romans 6 and verse number 4 it requires water uh, that we're baptized into, we're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. It requires much water, John 3, verse number 23. We, they went down into the water in Acts chapter 8, verse number 38, and the story of Philip and the eunuch. We've been talking to the young folks about that a little bit this week. It's a burial, Romans 6 and 4, that we just mentioned. They came up out of the water in the story of Philip and the eunuch. It's a resurrection, mentioned in Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 12. It's a birth, mentioned in John 3 and verse number 5 to be born again. It's a planting. Romans 6 and 5 says, For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we should be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So what is baptism? Baptism's immersion. And you can look at examples of baptisms that took place in the scriptures and it fits those characteristics. Our bodies are washed, Hebrews 10 and verse number 22. That's what baptism is. We're baptized into what? We're baptized into his name. Acts chapter 8 verse number 16. It's in his name where there's remission of sins. Luke chapter 24 verse number 47 says, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. There's not remission of sins outside the name of Christ. It's the name of Christ. It's into his name that we find remission of sins. It's in his name where we find salvation. Acts 4, verse number 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other named under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. It's the name of the Almighty God and Jesus Christ. And I just want to tell you it's in his name where there's the greatest relationship. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 8, verse number 9. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And you and I have an opportunity to have that relationship with him, to be in him, to be touched by the blood of Christ, to be a part of his church, his kingdom. We're baptized into his death. We've already mentioned Romans 6 and verse number 4. It's in his death where the blood was shed. John nineteen thirty four. But one of the soldiers with, with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came out blood and water. It's in his death where that blood was shed. It's in his death where there's remission. Matthew 26 and verse number 28. For there, this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of of sins his blood was shed for the remission of sins it's in his death where the new testament was sealed the new covenant that you and i can be a part of today hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 16 for where a testament is there must also of necessity be the death of the testator for a testament is a force after men are dead otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth that new testament took the death of the testator it took the death of christ for the testament to come into effect. And I want to ask you again. Baptized into what? We're baptized into Christ. We mentioned that in Galatians 3 and verse number 27. And it's in Christ where one is a new creature. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17. Wherefore if any man be in Christ he's a new creature. If anybody be in Christ he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold all things have become new. It's in Christ where there's redemption. Ephesians one verse number seven: In whom we have redemption through His blood, uh, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. And it's in Christ where there all spiritual blessings are. Ephesians chapter one and verse number three: Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. It's in Christ where there's forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 7 that we previously mentioned there mentions forgiveness in that passage as well. So I want you to look at Ephesians 4 for just a moment with me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 3. The Bible says there's one baptism. One. Verse number 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. And if I got up here tonight and I taught that there were two gods or there were three gods and I was polytheistic or many gods if I got up here and I taught that tonight, your elders would be going, you need to go back to Houston where you came from because there's not two gods and four gods there's one God that's one God and father of all who's above all and through all and in you all what if I got up and I said there's multiple lords multiple faiths they'd say you need to head home somebody that's doing that is preaching a false doctrine it wasn't that long ago I turned on the television set though and I watched guys on TV that claimed Christianity and they said well there's a lot of different ways to heaven Buddha's a way to heaven Ma- Lao Tzu's a way to heaven. Muhammad's a way to heaven. They're all sons of God in that case. There's a lot of different ways to get to heaven. If I got up and preached that, I would not be preaching the Word of God. There's one Lord, one faith. Now, what if I got up here and preached there were multiple baptisms? Well, you could be baptized according to John's baptism. You could be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You could be baptized as an infant. You could be baptized. What if I did that? The Bible says there's one baptism, just the same as there's one hope of your calling, and there's one Lord and one God. Amos chapter 4 and verse number 12. The prophet said, Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, because I'll do this unto you or unto thee. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. And I want to tell you tonight, as you think about the subject, ask yourself the question, what must I do to be saved? And analyze the things related to those answers. Where are you tonight? You believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you don't, then my answer to you tonight is you need to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in answer to that question. If you ask me the question tonight, what do I need to do to be saved? but you already believe, but you've never changed your life, I would tell you you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. If you're here in this audience tonight and you said, well, I've already repented, I've changed my life, I'm gonna, uh, I believe in Christ, I've, I've repented, then the answer would be to arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. The answer would be different based upon the condition of the subject that you're talking to, but I would tell all of us tonight to prepare to meet God. All of us will meet God all of us at some point in time will give an answer of the things that we've done in this body 2nd Peter chapter 1 and verse number 10 says wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if you do these things ye shall never fall where do you stand with God this evening have you asked the question what do I need to do to be saved are you separated from God I want to tell you tonight is the night to prepare to meet thy God. Tonight is the night to make your calling and election sure. Because you need to be in Christ to be saved. You need to be touched by the blood of Christ to be saved. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. What is the gospel? It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God to save. Now you remember how we opened this sermon tonight? Taking vengeance on them that obey not God and obey not the gospel. There's going to come a day that we give account of what it is that we've done in this body. And we've either obeyed the gospel or we have not. And he said if we don't know God and we've not obeyed the gospel, he takes vengeance on them But to those that have obeyed the gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation. I think you can see why. Because we're buried with him in baptism. And we're dead to our old man. We're dead to sins. And we rise and walk in newness of life. Ask yourself that question tonight. What do you need to do to be saved? Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, Send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ Wheeler Area.